Hey, welcome back to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am the Preacher Chick, Stacy, and this is episode 11. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. I sure did and allowed myself to have a little bit of a break with the podcast, but we are back this week and I hope you're ready because my guest today is none other than my husband, Donnie. So, are you nervous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this, this is way out of my comfort zone. Well, that's what Abby said, and she's done it twice, so. That's because Abby's cool. Oh, <gasps> That's like on the record, Abs. I hope you listen and hear that. Wowza. That's kind of a big deal. You admitted it. <laughs> well, we've talked about doing something like this, and I think probably we'll, if you're willing, do another one, because I don't know that we'll get to talk about everything that we possibly could talk about but on Facebook, and I forgot to check Instagram, I posted a question and just asked people, if Donnie did a podcast episode with me, what would people want to hear us talk about? What would people want to know? And there were some funny um, suggestions. There were a couple of really serious suggestions, and um, so... We'll do our best to talk about them and hopefully give people um, the responses or whatever that they um, were looking for. Um, Figure we'll start with something fun because that'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things... No. This was a topic that several people asked us to talk about. Um, some just like talk about this guy and there's a gif of Bigfoot dancing. And then there was another question of, um, will you search for Bigfoot till Jesus comes? So let's, let's talk about this and where... It, this fascination with Bigfoot over the last couple of years has come from? Well, I guess technically I have never been on a search for Bigfoot yet. (laughs) It is a dream of mine, but uh, I just find it interesting. So um, I listen to a couple podcasts about him, and uh, I watch a couple TV shows. So, um, do I think he's real? I'm not 100% convinced he's real. I think there's enough evidence that has been brought forward that said he it says he can possibly be real. So, pretty much I just find it entertaining. Find it entertaining. Okay, so, um, what can you tell us that you've learned about Bigfoot? Like you've you and the boys joke and tease, and you you talk about how Bigfoot is known by different names around the world. Like you have like a cousin to Bigfoot, right? Would be the Yeti. You, yeah, you have the Yeti. You have they basically from what I've gathered, it's basically the same thing, just different names in different areas. Like, if I remember correctly, I think it's Minnesota. They call him the grass man. Um, Why? (laughs) I have no clue why. Uh, We call him Bigfoot here. Uh, Canada, it's Sasquatch. Um, Down in the southern states, if I remember correctly, like Louisiana, Alabama area down in there, they call him the booger. <laughs> so bizarre. Uh, Florida. He is, I think it's, um, oh, it's swamp something, and I can't remember exactly what, what it is. But he's he just got different names in different what areas. What is he called in the Appalachians? Is he called Bigfoot there? I thought he was something different there. Uh, as far as I know, it's just Bigfoot. Oh, okay, okay. But you've got... Uh, sightings all over the world. So, like, 
Like I, I can't remember the names in Australia, but they've got ones in Australia that are called a different name. And in Russia, it's a different name. But basically, when I listen to the podcast, what I get out of them is basically it's the same type of creature, just called by a different name. And in your research, have there ever been sightings in Illinois and specifically... <laughs> <laughs> near us, Lord help me. Um, if you go to the BFRO, which is the Bigfoot Research, y'all, <laughs> um, you can look up your area, and it'll tell you about sightings that have been been uh, um, reported to them. And it's been a while since I've been on there, but I do know, I do remember. I think it was the early seventies. Uh, there's a reporting of a Bigfoot sighting that was maybe two miles from our house. So stupid. Uh, and they rate them. Man, it's been so long since I've been on there. I'm trying to think of it. They rate them like a. It's a. There's an a sighting is an A rating, a B rating, and a C rating. And if it's a C rating, eh, it's questionable if you really saw a Bigfoot or not. If it's an A rating, the investigator from the BFRO is pretty much saying, yeah, that's exactly what you saw. You saw a Bigfoot. And the two that were spotted in Granite City in the early 70s, one was an A rating and one was a B rating. So one of them, you definitely, they definitely saw a Bigfoot. And de- the, de- definitely. Definitely. Lord. And then the second one, uh, it was most likely a Bigfoot. I don't even know really what to do with that information. And we won't discuss. We have discussed personally and with friends the location of that sighting and <laughs> what likely uh, are some reasons for people saying what they saw. We won't have that discussion on here as to not offend anyone. But um, where else in Illinois have you... talked about going to see what we can find to Uh, see what you can find because i'm let me make this clear i don't care (laughs) i am less than interested in going on a bigfoot hunt so one of the podcasts i listen to is um bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo (laughs) see you guys you guys may remember Cliff and Bobo from, uh, I think it was the Discovery Channel. They had the Finding Bigfoot TV show. So a couple weeks ago, I was listening to an episode, and the guest they had on, uh, this gentleman, if I remember correctly, I think he's an investigator, uh, been an investigator for years, and he has written a few books on Bigfoot. But they were talking about their top five areas to uh, uh, search for Bigfoot. And this gentleman and Bobo both said... <laughs> I can't even with a straight face hear you say that, Bobo. I think it was I think it was in both of their top ten places in, in, in America to search for him. And it's Shawnee National Forest, which is southern Illinois. But the area, if I'm not mistaken, the area Bobo was talking about was in... The Shawnee National Forest area that runs over into Kentucky. So, just a few hours from us is a hot spot for Bigfoot investigations. Now, we decided around, what was it, in May last year. So, pandemic still pretty much at its beginning height. Um, Most people were still pretty much on on a quarantine by choice or by directive kind of thing. But in Illinois in May, state parks started opening up partially for hikers. And so we drove down a couple of times. Well, we drove, yeah, because we drove to two different parts of the Shawnee Forest. And the one part we drove to actually has a Bigfoot outpost. It's kind of like a little, um, what you would think of an outpost, little odds and ends shop. Uh, camping gear, but lots of Bigfoot memorabilia. 
And there's even a Bigfoot statue. And so um, we've got pictures of Donnie and the boys with the Bigfoot statue. And Colby and Donnie got T-shirts. That would have been um, down by the Garden of the Gods. Yes, that was down by... I think when we went down that time, we went to... Is that the time we went to Garden of the Gods in Camel Rock? Yes. Um, And then we went to another area. We didn't see anything like that, but... It still was a part of the Shawnee that, right? Down, yes, down at um, the Little Grand Canyon. It was, but we didn't go to Little Grand Canyon. No, but it we was were in that a area. Ways away from there. Um, was that all the, the same day? No, I didn't think so. What What's the city? Down Carbondale. There? Carbondale, down by Carbondale. Now, when we were at Carbondale, um, when we were hiking, we were we were walking down a little uh, creek area. Oh, for the love. And I did locate, and I took pictures of it, uh, rock formations. Now, it is said in the Bigfoot world that Sasquatch will stack rocks almost like a a pyramid. You know, your biggest rock on the bottom, smallest rock on top. And it is a way to let other Bigfoots know that this is their area. Or that they are in this area. Uh, I'm trying to remember what park that was we went to, but I cannot remember. I don't remember which one that was either. But anyway, so we've talked about Bigfoot. Because that was the request of the people. Um, We were also asked to talk about alpacas. Because Donnie, for years has had a dream of buying land and owning alpacas. But not just alpacas. Oh, no, not just alpacas. But we'll start with alpacas. Why do you want alpacas? You know, I don't have a good answer. (laughs) Uh, They're just, I don't know, they're cute and adorable. They're cute and adorable, and And, they spit. And they, well, you know, if you And they kick. If you treat them nice, they probably won't spit on you, but I just want them for pets. Well, and you've talked about, like, selling their wool and stuff like that, but we're not, you don't want to raise them for meat, necessarily. No, I don't want them for meat. I I want them, I will uh, 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 shear them and sell their wool, but I also want, with my alpacas, I, for my entertainment only, I want fainting goats. Because it just, you know, anytime you see a video with a fainting goat, it makes you laugh. So they got to be entertaining. Um, and some uh, donkeys. I'm, I, I've recently, uh, I have recently found a, a, a love for donkeys. Uh, well, but you also. We, I follow a young lady on Instagram who is, uh, she owns a donkey rescue farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, her videos are just, they're entertaining. You, they love their ears being rubbed, and then it's just... But also, you said that donkeys are like nature's deterrent of coyotes. For coyotes, yes. Donkeys will, uh, donkeys will keep the coyotes away from your alpacas. Which is pretty interesting. Uh, which, I never knew that before, but that's another good reason to have donkeys. There you go. So, there's your... Our little blurb about alpacas, donkeys, and do they have to be fainting goats? Do you just want goats, or do you, do they? You really want well, fainting goats? I'll take goats too, but fainting goats are entertaining. Fainting, fainting goats. and uh, the screaming goats—they're they're pretty funny too. But I think they would get annoying after a while. You've also mentioned in the last couple of months the Highland cattle. Yes, Highland because cattle. they're pretty, and they are pretty. And but see, the Highland cattle—I would probably. Uh, breed breed yeah because they're not cheap but well none of this would be cheap (laughs) anyway all right so that's kind of the fun stuff um i'm sure we'll get to other things but some of the other questions that we got um let's start by saying this because i don't know that there's i have very many people who listen to my podcast who don't really know us but maybe we should give a little bit of background donnie um about like maybe just quickly, as quick as we can, I guess. Um, we will celebrate our 20th anniversary this March. Um, 
we've known each other like 25 years. At least. At least. I mean, like, our families knew each other when I was right. little, little, little. But um, but you and I didn't really connect or really do much kind of a re- even friendship until maybe like 98, 99. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, and then even then it was just kind of a superficial relationship <laughs> because... Um, Donnie, Donnie lived a very different way than I lived and he's 10 years older than I am. So in 98, 99, I was 18, 19 years old and he was pursuing a career because he was 28, 29 years old. Um, but then, uh, we had our first date in January. I, you don't remember that? We went to a hockey game. I mean, like, I remember, we hung out. I remember we had our first date, but I couldn't tell you what month I don't, it was. Well, I don't know what day it was. I just remember it was in January of 2020. No. I mean, nine, oh my gosh, 2000. January of 2000. And we went to a hockey game. Um, and then we were engaged in March. Yes. That was pretty fast. Fast. But we had known each other, and we had spent over a year building a friendship and a relationship. So it wasn't like it was super shocking, I don't guess. Anyway, to most of us, anyway. To some people it was. I mean, my dad on our wedding day was still telling people we were just friends. (laughs) So, um, But I think that has more to do with my dad than anything else. Um, But we lived in Minnesota the first nine months of our marriage, and we moved back to Illinois We've been here ever since. Um, I've always felt a call to ministry since I was like 16 years old. You had just recently given your heart to the Lord before we started dating. Yes. Um, But you've always been supportive of me pursuing what I felt God was calling me to. But many may not know that you started actually taking classes through Berean, which is now Global University, before I did. Yes. I mean, not long before I did, but before I did. Um, so I think, and, and I don't know, was that just because you thought that you, like, you wanted to, to do that? Because I don't think we ever really talked about. We No, we didn't really. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't get into vocational ministry till 2011 after your motorcycle accident. Yes. Um, but I had been in, I had served in any capacity. Well, we had volunteered yep. a lot for youth before then. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I worked in a daycare and a Christian faith-based daycare where I did, you know, Bible lessons and stuff with my classes. Um, so I think I've always just done it. But one of the questions specifically, um, was how you support me and how we're raising three boys. Feels like a like a so many directions we can go. Right. And I don't. I mean, how? I mean, I. I'm 100 percent behind you. I mean, I was telling you, um, what probably a year before that you figured out that you were to be a lead pastor. That I thought you were supposed to be a lead pastor. Well, I remember having um, a couple vague conversations, but I was not at a place where that was something I was even willing to consider or thought that that would even be something God would lead me to. So I dismissed any conversations about that. Right, you did, and you did it quite well. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, I want you, I, same category with the boys. I want you to do what you feel called to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's be a pastor, then let's do it. I, It's new to me, <laughs> Uh, I don't, you, most people that don't know me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a people person. And as I have been called in the past, being a sister pastor. <laughs> <laughs> affectionately. Uh, affectionately, yes, it doesn't bother me. I'm okay with it. Um, you really, you know, you, you got to put yourself out there sometimes and, and, and talk to people 
and I, I'm coming along. I'm doing better. Uh, but backing you, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly back everything you do. And I, I hope you feel that. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, whenever I um, joined the staff at the church and the church sent me to ISOM, to Illinois School of Ministry, which is um, just like a, it's a site basically for global university um, for our district, our district school of ministry. Um, I mean, I had to study and do all of the, the coursework on my own each month, but then one weekend a month, one Friday night, Saturday, I would have to drive just north of Springfield, Illinois to Lincoln and do, um, do my class. And so I was gone, you know, for that. Um, and you never, that was never an issue. It was never a question. It was just what I did. Um, when I have served at camps or PK retreat, or when I went to Guatemala, that wasn't an issue for you. I mean, you just, we just figured out how we were going to make it work and we did it. Just it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is when it's something you feel called to do and something that you want to do, I don't want to stop you from doing it. So we figure out, we sit down and we figure out how we're going to accomplish it. And, you know, if it was going away for the weekend to do your classes, then I figured out how, what I had to do with the boys, raising the boys. It's, to me, it was no different than if you had a profession in some other area and, you know, you, you have to train and do things for other professions. Mm -hmm. So... You know, raising a family is a, uh, not a one-person job. The the father and the mother both have to do it. So we just, we laid it out, figured it out, and got it accomplished. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there were times that for work, you'd have to go out of town. I mean, not with this job, only a couple times has yeah. that had to happen. Um, but it happened, and we made it work. Um, and so I think I'm with you in that that's how I view it. Um when there are events that you're able to take off time for, you do it. It's not your favorite thing to do. <laughs> not because of the event itself, but because you have to put talk yourself to out there and talk to people. And we know that's your favorite thing to do. Um, uh, and then just like raising, well, let's come back to raising the boys. Let's stay on this topic for a minute. Um, another question was, and can you pull it up? Um, our friend Stephanie asked well, her question is pretty loaded, and it's but it's pretty good. Um, she wrote on Facebook, "What is life like being the husband of a female pastor? Are there insensitive jokes or comments made toward either of you? Does Donnie feel left out of anything? As the world is changing and progressing, do either of you get questions or comments about what your roles are when you're not at church? For example, do some people ask about Donnie being the head of the household?" How do you feel about going or how do you feel going to events designed for pastors and others assume that Donnie is the pastor and how does he feel about that? Um, Where do you want to start? Oh. Uh, are there, are there, what, what's the last well, one? Are there, um, are there times where people think you're the pastor instead of me and how do we both feel about that? Yes. There have been quite a few times where we're introduced or we introduce ourselves and there's an automatic assumption that you're the one yes. in the ministry role, in the vocational ministry role, and you just say, oh, I'm, I'm not the pastor, she is. Yeah, you... you, uh, you I, I don't normally know. say it. Right. You do. I let them know up front that as soon as, as soon as they say it, no, I'm not. I don't, you know, I don't want them to think for any amount of time that I am. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and sometimes so, we get odd looks and sometimes we get, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Mo most, most of the time we get, oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it is a uh, uh, a male-dominant profession. Even in the Assemblies of God, which has always been supportive of women in vocational ministry, it still is the assumption that it's a male, male role. Yes. Um, and I don't think that in the Assemblies that... That all the time when that assumption happens, that it's because they don't agree that women can serve. I just think it's one of those natural assumptions that comes. Um, does it bother either of us? 
it doesn't. It doesn't bother, bother me. me. We just set it straight. Yeah, we just, just correct it and move forward. The only time that it bothers me is not in instances like that because people don't know. I mean, if if you're just walking up to somebody, they don't. They don't know. They don't know you. They, um, they're not gonna know. But what when it bothers me is more when it's a generalized. Um, maybe it's a a, a session at a, an event or a sermon that is being preached and when discussing or mentioning somebody in a ministry role the it's always he or him or how a pastor needs to lead his family or lead his wife um that's when it bothers me um just because typically in settings like that you're talking to more than just one or two people in the room who are ministry holders and at least a few of them are going to be women um so that's the only time it really bothers me but one of the other things she asked is, um, what is it like being the husband of a female pastor? Are there insensitive jokes or comments made towards either of us? I've never experienced it. I mean, no we joked ever... that somebody that you get right. called sister pastor, I get called sister pastor, or by our DYD's wife Christina, she loves you, and you know she'll she. She teases Donnie that he needs to come to the pastor's wife stuff. Right. Teasingly. But that but, and it's but yeah, it's not at it all it's not all. meant to yeah, be a jab. Me. I mean it is all in fun. Um but what's it like to be the husband of a female pastor? I don't know. I guess it's just since I've known this is what you were supposed to do, I mean it just feels normal to me. Yeah. I mean I don't I don't know if that's the best answer I can give. I mean, to me, it's <laughs> It's normal. just our life. Right. Uh, I mean, like, when people you know or work with or meet for the first time outside of the church world and they find out that's what I do, do they act funny or do they say things? Do they act... All the guys are, at work do. They, they, uh, but they're not insensitive no, being... No, no, they're joking. Hateful. They're right, right. being... They're playing around. Yeah. Which, I'm okay with that, too, but... Usually it's uh, just the guys at work will make wisecracks mm. about uh, about how I uh, I landed a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they just it's it's all in fun. It, yeah. So she also said, "Does Donnie feel left out at any at left out of anything?" Like I and to me, what I don't maybe this isn't what she means, but to me, I wonder if like we're at an event for pastors and they do something special for pastors' wives. Do you ever feel like, or do you ever wonder why they don't do something for pastors' husbands? Well, you know, back to back to what was mentioned earlier. Um, I have a real hard time being a people person. <laughs> So, no, I do not feel left out. Actually, I'm okay with it. I mean, if if they did something for pastor's husbands, I would go because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but uh yeah, no, I don't I don't feel left out at all. I will I'm good with it. From my perspective, and this is a little bit different, but it I will say our district ha- has come a long way. Like I've been credentialed since 2012, I've been in full-time ministry since 2011. And in that time, so 10 years um, this year, this April will be that I've been a paid ministerial role. Um, But in that time, I've seen our district really... um, accommodate and that I don't want it that doesn't I don't even think that's the right word but they've really come a long way um where I can remember remember my first district council had breakout sessions and there was a breakout session for um women I thought it was women in ministry but I think it was more women's ministries um and then something for lead pastors well I wasn't a lead pastor at the time um I don't do women's ministries not that I won't attend 
a women's ministries event, but women's ministry is not the same as women in ministry. Um, or, and, and then at the same time, I went to that one thinking, oh, women ministry, but really it was mostly pastors' wives and what they go through. And I don't go through the same thing that other pastors' wives go through because I'm the one in the lead role, not in the support role. Um, but we've really come a long way and the last couple of councils and different things that we've done, um, I've just, there's been a big shift and that's kudos to our amazing district leadership, but um, was there anything else on Stephanie's question? Did we cover it all? He left the page. Uh, it was too much for me to like write down in, ahead of time. Because I don't want to miss it. Because that was a really, really good one. And I hope that helps. Oh, she did talk about head of household. Are we questioned about that? So that's kind of an interesting story. Have, how, for how many years in our marriage... Did this, did this come up as a problem for us? Not like we fought or argued about it, but it was definitely like an underlying thing. I won't even call it an issue because it wasn't necessarily, right. but it was an underlying thing. Yeah. Where, and this is probably going to really rock a few people and probably some people aren't going <laughs> to like what we say and, and agree with us. But did... Let me ask you this because I need to know. Did you ever or do you, how do I want to say this? Because I also don't think that you're not the head of our household. I feel like you are the head of our household. We, you know, you and I partner in pretty much everything, but there are times that we all just defer to you. You're the dad, you're the husband, and we defer to you. But I think there's a difference between head of household and spiritual head of household. Yes. And I don't think that... It's illogical to assume that a man would be the spiritual head of the household. But this is that's one area that I feel like from the beginning of our marriage, you you deferred to me on the spiritual things, where I would defer to you on the practical, logical, everyday things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And is that how you I feel that way, yeah. But do you, but are you like is I'm fine with it because I think or I feel how do you say it without you are I don't want to say more educated or I you're well and, and it is that you're more educated in the spiritual side than I am uh I think you you um have more i guess wisdom in that area than I do um but and then you know i i don't and but I don't feel that you come in and try to overpower everything and and be the head of the household right I think I, in the spiritual aspect. Because you are more, I, not having the words not come to me. Like I said, you are more educated in that part. I think um, I just operate I'm, naturally. Yes, that way. Go. There you go. And I'm I'm more uh, built on being the practical head of the household type thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, and I don't know. Maybe that would maybe that would flip a little bit if we had girls, but I don't think so. I think that when it comes to being the head of the household, making sure that you know when we talk finances, when we talk, um, you know what we what we need to do as a family, um, we talk about those things. But there's a lot that ultimately I just defer to you. Like you're going to handle those things, right? Um, but I really struggled for the first. What, probably 14, 15 years with that? Because yeah. my prayer almost every day was that God would help Donnie rise up and be the man that he's supposed to be in our family, the spiritual leader in the family. And I was at a um, youth ministry. This was when I was a youth pastor. I was at a youth pastor's event. And um, we were we were doing um, kind of a... I can't even think of the word. But um, basically... We were learning about our plates and how our plates become full. 
and that God doesn't want us to pl- to pray that he would remove some of the things from our plate when our fl- plate gets full, but that he would expand our plate so that what he gives us fits on the plate. And so one of the activities that went along with that was that we were all given paper plates and we were supposed to write down the things that we felt we were responsible for or where or something along that line. And I remember as I was writing my things down that I felt God say to me, well, because I was praying about that again, that God would help Donnie rise up and be the spiritual leader that he was created to be. And in my spirit so quickly and almost, almost loudly, I won't say audibly, but it was very loud in my spirit was I felt the Lord speaking to me and say, stop praying for him to be something I never created him to be. Not that God doesn't have something for for you, for Donnie, for you to do spiritually, because I don't believe that that's not, I don't believe that that's true. But what my expectations were was what God was saying. That's stop praying for me to make him something I didn't create him to be. I I have placed him at the head of your household, but I've created you to be the spiritual leader. Since that day, things have really shifted for us, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, don't you think that there's less tug and pull? Not that, and not that we ever, I can only think of like one time we've really had a fight and it wasn't even that we yelled and screamed and got mad at each other. It was just, that was probably the, one of the few times in my entire life that I just, I knew I couldn't talk because if I talked, if I talk, if I did talk, I would do those things and that wouldn't be productive. That was one time in our 20 years. Um, We just, that's not us to do that kind of thing. We just talk it out. Or we decide it's not worth holding on to and we let it go and move on, right? Or, or I just quit talking. Well, but that's just you in general, unfortunately. You've come a long way from that, too. Yeah. You Sometimes you do that, but more often than not, if you do that, it's nowhere near the length of time it used to be. And then you'll come around and say something. But, um, but yeah, so as far as the head of household goal goes, there's no question that you're the head of the household. But where many would disagree with us and probably question whether or not I've heard from God, but I can only tell you I know what God spoke to me. and But I do think that in the last five years, we've both grown a lot. And I probably think more than anything, we we might even be sharing that spiritual lead role now. Because yeah. you've come a long way in that. I'm trying. <laughs> um, another question, which this one was from my mom. And as soon as Donnie read it, he was like, oh, oh," because he and I literally two days ago, wasn't it two days ago, two or three days ago, ago, had this conversation. And the question was that um, many times, most of the time, pastors' wives are expected to serve in some ministry capacity in the church. And... I kind of, I'm going to pause there for a second and say, I think that's just really unfair. I think no matter who you are, it, you're connected to your local church. You need to be serving in some way, no, regardless of if you're uh, a, a pastor's spouse or children, or if you're a regular attender, a lay person in the congregation, everybody has a role to play. And if you're not playing the role, then the body of Christ is malfunctioning. It's right. it, We're not working together to reach the fullest potential um, that Christ has for us. Um, So it shouldn't matter if you're a pastor's spouse or not. But my mom said pastor's wives are expected to serve in some capacity of ministry. And she wanted to know if you have found, if you believe you found your place or if you feel like you're led to something. (laughs) The timing, y'all, the timing. Like like we've said from the get-go, um, this the, even doing this podcast is is way outside of my zone, and and uh, this is way outside of my zone. Uh, we talked we talked a couple days ago that uh, now I do I do feel I serve. Also, you saying all of this is really going to create some accountability for people in our congregation <laughs> who listen to this. Uh, I I do serve. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I, I run the coffee shop, which, uh, some days is very trying. Uh, <laughs> we, we have, we haven't had it open for almost a year now, yeah, but when it was open, I ran the coffee shop every week. Um, we're, I'm trying to put together a safety team, 
Um, so, I, I mean, I do serve mm-hmm. in, in some capacity, I think. Absolutely. Uh, do I serve in the capacity that I probably should? I don't know that I, that's the right way to say it. Well, is there something else that God is stirring in you? Yes. Uh, just the other day, uh, I have been listening to a new podcast. Well, it's new to you. New to me. Because uh, I... At, to be honest with you, I only got into podcasts in, what, the last year? Yeah. So I found a couple podcasts that I really like. Uh, some of them went back several years, and I I was so interested in them, I started from yeah. episode one. I don't know very many people that do that. Most people find out about a podcast and just jump in where it's at, but not Donnie. No, I started episode Donnie goes one to episode and... one, even though there's 700 episodes. Right. Uh, so this new podcast I started listening to is called Legacy Dads uh, with Lance and Dante. And uh, it's basically a podcast that the information you're getting from them is, is, is how, to, uh, how to be a dad. Like uh, <clears throat> a Christian dad. A, uh, a Christian brother, a Christian son, Christian husband. Just, you know, giving you little tips here and there on how to do stuff better. Um, and one thing, my memory's horrible, so I'm, I'm going off my uh, uh, memory with this. I think it's Dante. He, uh, he started a uh, men's ministry at his church, and he's really been talking about it. Well... It grew, it, it, it went from like maybe three guys to uh, like 30. Well, he recently left that church and they moved from, I think it was from Oregon to Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. But he talks about um, that a men's ministry has to be much more than just meeting once a month and eating pancakes and bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Uh, I'm not going to go into big details of what he gets into, but it's really been speaking into my heart because one thing that we don't have here, and we've been going here 15 years. Yep. And I think for about the first five, we had kind of a little men's group here. And we have had a small group of of men who have met for Bible study before yes. COVID. A very small group of men, and most of them are retired, so... But they meet, like, on a Thursday yeah. morning. Yeah, so it's um, not something that all but, of the men are going to be able right. to do. But what they what Dante talks about a lot is that it needs to be... You need to get your older men in the church together with your younger men, and it needs to be a mentoring um, thing, too. Not discipleship. Just discipleship, right? mentoring... Uh, the 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 older men in the church who have been Christians for, and we have several here, mm-hmm. been Christians for 50, 60, maybe even 70 years. Maybe even longer. Can teach the younger men, mentor the younger yeah. men on how to be that better, uh, a better Christian. A more uh, godly husband. A more godly and husband, and... father, and all that. So... Like like I, like we've said before, um, this is way outside my comfort zone, and I've probably been fighting it for a while. Uh, and you know, when when it comes to God's plan, the the more you fight it, the more He hmm. makes it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, kind of me. Me and Stacy has always talked about. Uh, you know, she mentioned earlier that we spent the first year of our marriage in Minnesota. And uh, when when God started working on us about moving back to Illinois, we both were like, no. We had no desire. No desire. We are not going back to Illinois. Well, two months later, guess where we ended up? Mm-hmm. It seems like the more you fight his plan... Yep the stronger his plan becomes. I feel like when you tell God no, he laughs and says, watch me. Uh, Yeah, watch me. (laughs) So for me to, you know, the whole time we've been in ministry, whether it's been volunteer, youth leaders, uh, Stacy as the lead youth pastor or as the lead pastor, I've always been kind of, 
I don't want to say back in the shadows, but... You're a behind-the-scenes guy. I prefer to be behind the scenes. I don't want to be out in front. I, I don't want to be talking in front of crowds. That's just not me. Right. But, you know, the more you think about it, the more... I guess what's been getting me, the more I read the Bible, it seems like the the part of the the devotionals I'm doing, the Bible I'm reading, I, and this is me, I feel that, why me? Why are you putting me there? And the more I read the stuff in the Bible, you know, uh, some of the greatest people in the Bible were, I don't want to say not very smart people, but they were... They were uneducated. Uneducated. They, you know... Or scoundrels. Scoundrels. They, <laughs> you know, getting up in front of people and talking, that wasn't their, the way they did things till, you know, God told them, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to be speaking in front of people. Uh, you know, so I feel I'm in that boat, and he keeps putting me in the other boat, mm-hmm. and I keep swimming back to my boat, and, well, I think we're at the end of the struggle, and... We'll see what happens. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, going back, because Christine, our friend Christine, was the one who asked about how you support me or whatever. But then she also said to talk about raising three boys. Which is a pretty broad statement, but... Um, you know, in today's... World, I don't think it's easy raising kids, period. Right. Um, I mean, uh, it it hasn't been hard. I, I, I feel we have three good good boys. Uh, they stay out of trouble for the most part. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I don't know. I, I will say... I think that with our oldest, with Ty graduating this year, there is this kind of, um, I've done a lot of reflection. We've talked a little bit about it, but have we really prepared him? Has, um, does he have the foundation he needs? And when he leaves our house, is he, my biggest thing is, um, does he serve Jesus because it's what we do? Or will he continue to serve the Lord? And will he continue to attend church because of his relationship with the Lord? And he's the only one that can answer that. Right. We can't answer that for him. Now, I see glimmers and glimpses of, all right, we've done what we're supposed to do. And I think that, like, I think we have. I mean, we he is a, he's he's got a servant's heart and he has since he was little. If anybody needs any help and he's around, he jumps right in. Yes. He has always been that kid. I mean, before we left to come over here, he left to go walk his aunt's dog because she's been dealing with some some sickness and can't can't take the dog for a walk. And so all I said was, "Hey, Aunt Marsha wants to know if you will go you'll go walk the dog." And he's like, "Yeah, sure. I'll let me finish this project up and I'll go do it." And he just left and went and did it. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't throw a fit, ever argue. ever about stuff like that. Uh, you say there's a need and he he needs to help, then he he does he it. does it. Um and that's not just when with us. If we're here at the church and there's a project going on, he comes in and he finds a way to get involved. Um that's just that's just who he is. So, you know, when you look at it like that, um yeah. I feel like we've done we've done okay by him. <laughs> I, I think I feel we've done what we can do. Now the ball's in his court. Right. He has But that's to, a scary place for a parent to be. Yes. He has to want to do it now. Because I mean like I I pray every that's one of my Every day, you know, I pray over all three boys, and that's one thing I pray every day over all three of them, that their will is, I guess, is God's will. That, that they're doing God's they're will. They're doing God's will, that, you know, they're going to, they're not just coming to church, uh, playing on the worship team or whatever, just because their mom's the pastor, and that's what they have to do. Right. Um 
I hope they're doing those things because that's what they feel. And I kind of feel like that is what it is because we've never forced them. Like, they come to church because they don't have an option. We do as a family. We come to church. Um, There have been seasons. There have been times when um, they, they didn't care if we had to come to church, but there were certain things that happened that they didn't really want to participate in. And so those were things that we chose as parents to not press too hard in. You want to go to, you're going to go to church. Yeah, I'll go to church. I just don't want to do this. Okay, well then let's go to church. Um, But when it comes to like being on the worship team or serving in the sound booth or even Colby at 10 helping greet people on Sunday mornings now, we never, we never told any of them they had to do that. Right. We threw out and said, hey, this is a need. What do you think? Um, you know, like with the sound booth and Noah jumped right in um, with Ty on the on the platform. was like, hey, you've been taking guitar lessons. What are you planning on doing with it? Well, I don't, I'd kind of like to be on the worship team. And there he is on the worship team. Colby, I don't know, that greeting people since we've been back in person services from COVID, that was just, well, he just did it. Me, he just, yeah, but even if you weren't out here, yeah. he just comes and he stands at the door and he holds the door for people. He has the hand uh, sanitizer. He, he wipes down the handrails. He also likes talking with Mark, who is our other greeter. Yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah, but we never told them. No. You have to do this. Um, so. Which, I get, in those moments when I think about have we done things right, those are the things that come to my mind that are like, well, our kids have just done those things without us making a big deal out of it or, um, you know, whatever. So, Well, friends, after having this conversation and talking and talking, we decided that we would split this conversation into two parts. So this is just part one. Part two will release in a couple of weeks. And we pray that it encourages you and it gives you a perspective into how we do ministry and how we live and raise our kids. If you have any questions, anything you would like to know more about or anything that we didn't talk about that you're interested in, leave a comment and we will do our best to discuss it. I hope you guys have a great week and we will talk next time. Thanks for listening.